Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS Radio in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. Daniel, what do you think of when I say, what in the matrix hell? <laughs> the exceptional writing, the the master class in fine-tuned script writing. Yes. That is and was and shall ever be Space Jam, a new legacy starring uh, Ohio's own LeBron James and also everybody that's ever appeared in a Warner Brothers property ever. <laughs> Especially if that character was, yeah, animated or CGI in any way. That was uh, the yep. easiest but even the live action, for Warner Brothers to do. Even the live action folks made their appearances in, you know, in small ways, so. So yeah, we're talking about the new Space Jam movie. I know, you know, you and I, and I think a lot of our listeners are sort of in our age range demographic, Mm -hmm. fondly remember the original Space Jam. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those like crank the nostalgia all the way up to 11 type movies. And then I think when it first came out, you know, the novelty of like it it had nostalgia when it first came out because it had Looney Tunes. And then you see it as a kid or as an adolescent or whatever age you were. And then now it has the nostalgia just for seeing it at that time. So it's like two doses of nostalgia within one movie. And uh, I find the first one incredibly charming. I like it a lot. And it's Michael Jordan. I mean, more or less still in his prime. I mean, you know, he he filmed that sort of in that break that he took, but Mm -hmm. came back and still, you know, had a showing one another championship, I believe. Three more. Three. That was in the middle. After Space Jam? Three peaks. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, uh, Michael Jordan at his (laughs) peak, uh, going out there and making this movie, as you said, with these beloved characters. I mean, at that point, he's arguably the most famous person in the world Yeah, when he made this movie. And, yeah. and, and you have to think, too, like, we're not that far into uh, the technology that allows you to put a live-action person with cartoons, uh, you know, when this is going on. Obviously, there's, like, Who Framed yeah, Roger like Rabbit. Yeah, Who which Framed was, Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And they were like, what can we do to, to bastardize this technology? And to great effect. Uh, and you think about the, the sort of the all-star cast that was part of the original Space Jam Michael Jordan, but also like, you know, Bill Murray's in there and Wayne Knight's in there. And like, you know, there's a lot of familiar faces. And of course, all the Looney Tunes characters. Yeah, it's just nostalgia layered on top of nostalgia layered on top of nostalgia. And I think for that reason, we've talked on this show before about how I sometimes don't quite get into a lot of the 80s flicks because I don't have that nostalgia built in. But certainly, I mean, Space Jam is one of those movies that I don't... it's not it's not a great movie if you go back and watch it with a critical eye but we were uh we appeared on the the Mad About Hoops podcast with Tim Hall and Colin Berenger, uh, friends of the show and uh talking about Hoosiers which is one of Tim Hall's favorite movies and we kind of had this discussion then that there are these movies that you see at a particular time in your life you were alluding to this and you have that nostalgia for it and I think if you went back now and watched the original Space Jam, it's probably not the best made movie. It's no, you know, it's no Citizen Kane. But I'll speak, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but like, I still love Space Jam and would sit down and watch Space Jam in a heartbeat because that was a movie that I watched when I was a kid. 
I probably still watch Space Jam once every 18 months or so. Yeah. Maybe not quite once a year, but like it, it goes on. I own it on DVD and now with HBO Max, it's available all the time. I was very tempted when I finished Space Jam a New Legacy. It popped up as like what to watch next. Yeah. But it was a little late that evening and I didn't I didn't end up putting it on. But I was very tempted. If it had been an hour earlier, I probably would have just put it on and watched the the first one straight through. And it's uh there are I, LeBron is a better actor, but I have, and we'll get into it. Yeah. I have some choice reasons why I do think the first one is actually better than this new one. That doesn't make it a great movie technically, like you were saying. Right. But I still think it's better than a new legacy, which why not just call it space jam Two? Why add a subtitle? The, the whole branding is on space jam. Anyways, just call it space jam Two. Yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not sure about, I mean, it's, it's a reboot. But I don't, I mean, are there plans to make more of these? I don't know. I would have a hard time thinking there are. Um, so we we don't normally give you this courtesy, but I feel like uh, from here on out, you know, beware there be spoilers, uh, Yar. Um, yeah, if you, if you don't know, the bad guys win in Space Jam A New Legacy. Yeah. No, I guess all I, I mean to say is like sometimes when we are talking about movies that are 40 years old or 30 years old, like I don't care about a spoiler warning for once. Uh, you know, this is like still something that is pretty fresh off the presses, uh, so to speak. Yeah. So if you want it, yeah, if you feel like you're going to like lose something by <laughs> by hearing about the plot of Space Jam A New Legacy and it's going to ruin your experience, it's going to kill your immersion you know you can back out now and then come back and see us when you've once you've watched it yes so let's maybe give a, a the briefest of plot synopses as you alluded to um it's a uh, pretty formulaic this one <laughs> yes uh so yeah lebron has a son who is more interested in not not just playing video games it was nice that they didn't they you know they made it like you know, he had a real interest in actually like creating it. And right. stuff. so he's trying to create a video game, but LeBron wants him to be a basketball player. They go to a meeting at Warner brothers studio and the algorithm presenting the meeting, I guess the studio just doesn't do anything. The algorithm just does everything, which is sort of poking fun at Warner brothers. But then you watch the movie and I heard somebody say this, it feels like a movie that an algorithm came up with Yeah, more or less. So it's like, yeah, I don't know if they're quite in on the joke as much as they, they think they are, but either way, the algorithm played by Don Cheadle, algae rhythm traps LeBron and his son into the Warner brothers server verse. Mm-hmm. And uh, LeBron has to team up with Looney tunes and play his son and algae rhythm and his basketball team, which is made up of, they're not all animal infused, but NBA and WNBA players who have been altered in some way to have some sort of special ability. So that's kind of their version of the Monstars. They call them the goon squad mm-hmm. in this one and they have to play the game, but there's a twist. All the other people who are watching this live stream game on the servers get scanned in by, from my understanding, propi- proprietary technology invented by LeBron's son that is pretty revolutionary yes if i if i do say so like super uh, advanced mocap it's one of those it's one of those situations where it's like hey kid forget about the video game 
you just invented the money-making thing already. Right. Like that happens every once in a while in movies because they, they get bogged down in like explaining time travel or little th- whatever it is in the movie. And they don't realize that like, hey, no, the real story of the movie is, is, is that, that the, thing. Is that the kid create a no-hassle mocap? Like normally mocap right. involves one of those suits with all the little dots on it and blah, blah, blah. And his is just like... A yeah. very controlled environment. Exactly. His is just like, no, you can just go out to a basketball game and like film a, a basketball player and the, the algorithm just creates a digital version of them that it, you know, scans <laughs> right in. Correct. <laughs> yes. And using that technology, they scan other people in who are now somehow also physically in the server because he combines his mocap thing with algae rhythms ability to suck people into computers, I guess. Yeah. And there are people <laughs> trapped in there. So the stakes are a little higher that if they lose, everybody's trapped in the server verse that is, is in there for the game and a game ensues. And uh, you can probably guess who wins. Yeah, well, and and it's interesting because the stakes get artificially high really fast because original, you know, at first it's Algae Rhythm uh, just wants to like basically go viral. Like he, well, he wants credit for being the algorithm that comes up with all these movie and television show ideas, right? Um, yeah. And then when LeBron James is like, actually, that kind of sucks. Like, why would you make LeBron James's Harry Potter? Uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, no one gives a front to me like this keeping in mind that he could have done this to the studio execs all along, but it's LeBron James who he picks on. Um, yeah. And, well, and I mean, this, this algorithm has way too much power. He controls the elevator in the studio. He can suck people into computers. Yeah. It's man. What did they create again? Another thing, burying the lead here. What did you create? Warner brothers. Skynet is what they created. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I said, the stakes kind of get artificially high pretty quickly. At first, it's just like him trying to prove a point and embarrass LeBron James. And it's like, actually, I'm going to take over. I, I've changed space time and I'm taking over. Yeah, that's the other part, right? So not only does this teenage boy create this like revolutionary motion capture software, Warner Brothers has like bent t- space time and created Skynet. <laughs> and, the, and we're not going to talk about that at all like there's no there's no like congress inquiry into this (laughs) um there's a lot of questions in the space jam universe you're right like okay so what happens at because the first one is like some weird stuff happens and then michael jordan shows up at a baseball game in a cartoon spaceship and some people saw some looney tunes running around in the real world but for the most part it's kind of under the radar of exactly what happened but in this one thousands at least people are thrown into this and they they watch this basketball game in the server verse knowing the the stakes themselves and then they go out yeah and it's just like oh whatever that was a weird day <laughs> back to back to normal i want to remind everyone that the plot of the original space jam is that aliens uh come down to earth and say we are taking over unless your greatest athlete and some cartoon characters can beat us at basketball and somehow space oh, that's jam- not even the plot Yes, it is. That's the plot. No, the plot is that they're going to steal the Looney Tunes to be attractions on Moron Mountain. It has nothing to do with humans. Oh, that's true. But then but then the Looney Tunes say, hey, we deserve a challenge. We deserve to challenge you to this. You can't just take us. Yeah. So they go, we'll challenge you to a basketball game because you're tiny aliens. Then the then the Monstars steal yeah. the talent of the NBA players, Correct. turn into giant Monstars. And so to combat that, the Looney Tunes go and... I'll put this in large air quotes, recruit Michael Jordan to play for the Looney Tunes. And then that's the game. Then the stakes are up a little bit because Michael throws himself like in front of the Looney Tunes. He says, Hey, 
How about if we do lose, instead of taking the Looney Tunes, you just take me instead. So you get a little elevation of the stakes in that one. But again, it's still like under the radar for humans, except for like the NBA players who are like losing their abilities and they don't look like athletes anymore. I mean, you, you did kind of just negate the point that I was going to make to say that the plot of the original space jam was less ridiculous than the plot of this movie. And that's not, you know what you've reminded me that that is not true. It was just as ridiculous, just in a different way. The stakes were lower, but it's just as ridiculous. (laughs) It is just as ridiculous, but it's in a weird way. Like, I don't want to say plausible, but maybe it's like easier to wrap your head around it. It's like, okay, aliens want to take the Looney Tunes. I don't know. I actually, I, I now, now that see, now that you're saying that, I feel like having a supercomputer that figures out how to try to like enslave mankind <laughs> is way more plausible than uh, an amusement t- park from space trying to steal the Looney Tunes. Yeah, correct. Again, another thing where the, the this is in the first one, and this is something I was questioning the whole time I was watching this movie. The first one, the Looney Tunes live in the real world. They live like underground Earth because yes. the aliens crash their, their spaceship into a Piggly Wiggly parking lot and go down into what is essentially the center of the Earth, the hollow Earth, <laughs> little Kong versus Godzilla reference. Go. And they go and they're in Looney Tune land. And then they can interact with people and Michael Jordan gets sucked down there through a golf hole right. and all this stuff. So my question is, in this in a new legacy, the Looney Tunes live in the server verse. So now they're like just fictional characters and they live amongst other fictional worlds in the server verse. Correct. I mean, so is this a different yeah, Looney Tune than just, the ones who live in the center of the earth? Are you is familiar? That with, one? Are you familiar with simulation theory? Cause to me, it just feels like this is just like a, a sort of playing with the idea of simulation theory, but with Looney yeah. Tunes. I don't know. I mean, in the same way that like Looney Tunes used to exist on physical VHS tapes or like reel to reel back in the day, like now <laughs> yeah. they're, I don't know. That, well, but then I, I don't have makes... a hard time accepting. In fact, again, really the new okay, movie is more plausible. Is Space Jam a movie in this universe or is it something that happened? Because the Looney Tunes reference Refer Michael Jordan they, and they reference Space Jam. The little monster aliens make like a one frame cameo right. during the game. But that's all in the server verse where all those characters are fictional. So in this in this universe, in the, super, in the Space Jam A New Legacy universe, did Michael Jordan actually play basketball with the Looney Tunes or is that a movie that exists in this universe that people have seen. There are a lot of questions. Well, this movie, I'll tell you, um, I enjoyed it, but boy, was it self, it was like super self-referential and like Easter egg laden. I mean, it's a Warner Brothers billboard, essentially. Yeah. Look at all the IP we have. Well, and I don't, and I want to, uh, the obvious one is the crowd at the basketball game, and we can get into that, but I, I want to put that aside just for a moment because that's okay. that's surface level. Yes, Warner Brothers took every character they've ever made and put it into that. Including a clockwork orange, which yes. is like, mm, that probably isn't registering with... Pennywise was on the sidelines. The, yeah. the, the like live-action Batman characters were on the sidelines. In addition to... Bo was talking about this. The Pennywise thing is like almost like a blink and you'll miss it, but you see him a few times. Yeah. And um, he said his kids, Bo Bishop, host of Bishop and Laurinaitis, 9 to noon on 97 on the fan. <laughs> all here right, Columbus. all right. Uh, he said his kids woke up the next day, the two younger ones, and said they had nightmares because of the clown. And it's like barely in the movie, but it's just so funny that like the kids noticed that. And yeah. I guess Pennywise is at least like enough 
because that those movies are still recent enough that even if you hadn't seen the movies, you're probably familiar with the character because of the marketing push for yeah. it. I still feel like a clockwork orange isn't going over the heads of, of most lots kids, of people, yeah. adults included, probably. Yeah. Well, there was, I mean, there were lots of deep cuts. I mean, f- first of all, the Looney Tunes, you have to think, was like Porky Pig refers to the fact that he came out in 1935, which is true, um, <laughs> like in his rap. But there's a lot of like deep, deep cuts in the crowd of like Hanna Barbera cartoons from way back in the day. Um, yeah. That I mean, I thought were cool. I grew up watching all that, all the old Hanna Barbera cartoons, and so that was. I'll start. I'll say it now because I'm going to say it 20 times today. I had so much nostalgia overload and things that just like made me smile in a childlike way because I was just like, oh my god, there's Peter Potamus, and like, oh look, there's like the <laughs> the the uh, Scooby, you know, the Mystery Machine, and oh look, there's and you know, I did that in my own head a jillion times. At least the uh, in those instances, the CGI was was pretty good, and how they kind of they they turned a lot of the two D cartoons into three D models yeah. and stuff like that. That looked pretty good. The live action people in the costumes looked like rented Comic Con costumes. Some of them they weren't the highest quality, and that surprised sure. me a little bit. Well, you, you have to think that they couldn't spend too much money on uh, the thing I've learned yeah. that I, I'm always surprised by is how expensive animation is. Ex- animation is super expensive. And that was a real like a very CGI heavy movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, too bad they didn't have Dom's mocap to just like do all that stuff. That would have made it a lot easier. Yeah, no And they did spend about half LeBron's runtime as an, an not a 3d animated, but a, yeah, a hand drawn, which person, that's but, even more mm-hmm. labor intensive in a lot of ways. No, your point's well taken. I, I will say too, the thing that cracked me up is f- first of all, Warner brothers is the villain of their own movie. Well, it's a, it's a continuation of technology being the villain, which is like the new thing now, yeah. instead of just mean, because the first one is literally mean old businessman owns, uh, owns an amusement park, wants a new attraction, wants to kidnap the Looney Tunes. And in this one, it's technology. And like, if you watch any movie from like the last two years, almost every villain, it seems like now is either like a tech mogul or technology in general. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this. Like it's movies reflect the legitimate fears of their time. Right. In, uh, in the nineties, it was everyone, you know, people were starting to realize the, the detriments of Reaganomics. Now it's like, Oh, in fact, we are being watched constantly. And, Don Cheadle's character, Algie Rhythm, like casually talks about the fact that, oh, yeah, I've been watching you through your cameras this whole time. I've been listening to you through your microphones. And in fact, I can do that to everyone. And people are literally, literally getting sucked into their devices as opposed to the sort of figurative way that we talk about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But before we get too far away from it. So Warner Brothers is the villain of their own movie. And they dunk on LeBron constantly like, oh, are you going to leave, dude? Oh, I like watch out, L.A. It's not going to be too long before he jumps ship. And it's like, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, LeBron obviously was in on the joke and he must have a good, like a decent enough sense of humor to be able to laugh at himself. But it was like, that's kind of brutal. <laughs> I'm sure LeBron had some script supervising uh, sure. abilities in this uh, because, I mean, he's the vehicle that is going to drive the whole creation of it. But you're right. I mean. That is something that like would not have flown with Michael Jordan. No, Michael Jordan takes himself very seriously. And, and, and LeBron's, not have... no, LeBron's not the villain, but he's not a great guy for about the first, you know, third of the movie where he's just like too like tough as nails dad. And he like doesn't understand his kids and like, 
you're right. The the one thing they let my, Michael Jordan let slide was they like made him bad at baseball, but like they made <laughs> him like such a they made him like such a good family man. And yeah. like the most honestly, the most unbelievable thing about the first Space Jam is that Michael Jordan just lives in a normal neighborhood where there are people driving by saying, "Hey, Michael!" Yeah. Like, no, Michael uh, Michael Jordan has a long ass driveway and it's gated and it's you know <laughs> ten thousand square feet. Not a I mean, it's still a nice house, the one they put him up in, but it's R- like I a, understood, or, yeah. 4,000 square foot house. At least they put LeBron in like a palatial mansion with its own like private baths, like full size court. I think they just filmed at his house. It had his logo on it. Yes, correct. (laughs) You got, I guess in a way you kind of have to admire the willingness to like poke fun at yourself of both Warner brothers who, who straight up in the movie are like, uh, boy, this, this algorithm is really crappy. Look at the kind of thing it dishes out. And Bugs Bunny looks directly at the camera and he's like, like this mess wink. And LeBron's like, who are you talking to, Bugs? <laughs> like, uh, and then again, all the jokes at LeBron's expense. I guess all I'm saying is, in a way, you kind of have to admire that they were able to poke fun at themselves and laugh at themselves. But while also supremely advertising everything of course. they own at the same time. I, I'm i glad you got the nostalgic kick out of the crowd. I thought the crowd was overall distracting and too overindulgent. I will say... Some people are like, oh, the Matrix, that's old, and Mad Max Fury Road is six years old or whatever at this point. It's like, I, no, I thought those references all were good, and I actually enjoyed when they were bouncing around. I thought yeah. that was the more creative part. When they were bouncing around from World of War and, the, and they had Looney Tunes characters embedded in these worlds, I was like, okay, that's kind of a fun concept that, that you're doing with this. It's yeah. not just, hey, remember the Matrix? There's like a more there's more to the surface than the surface level of that joke. I enjoyed those. I loved that stuff. And I, we hadn't gotten, I mean, we're getting to it now, but like the, having the original animated Superman cartoon, having the, the, we know we've talked about how good Batman, the animated series is having that theme song, like get stung. Um, Having Wile E. Coyote in the Mad Max universe was, I think my favorite one. Cause I love those movies. Uh, yeah, the Matrix plug, and then Game of Thrones. By the way, that you just had like White Walkers on the side on the sidelines and like references to that. I thought I thought that was all wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean the the little the little things in the, in the crowd are the sort of surface level, but I just thought all of that was really good. Um, yeah, and it was, and like I said, they kind of took the easy way out. You know, hey LeBron, what if uh, for you know a third of the movie at least you just, you just have to go and record your your spots in a, in a sound booth and yeah. then we can just animate you. And it's like, eh, they, they put a little more effort into actually throwing Michael Jordan in Looney Tunes world, but I'll let it slide because like I said, I thought those parts, I thought those were the ones that got closer to like actually being I used that word charming earlier. Yeah. No, I agreed. We just hadn't gotten there yet. I agree that those were the ones that made me smile the biggest. I'll also tell you that I did an actual spit take when uh, <laughs> Sylvester came in at halftime was like, Guys, I found Michael Jordan out in the crowd. And I was like, <laughs> really? Because I know, I mean, the one part of the backstory is that they've, you know, Warner Brothers tried to do a Space Jam 2 with Michael Jordan for years. Yes. And he would not do it. He would not budge on it. And in fact, like they went and tried to think about like, could we do one with Jeff Gordon and do like a NASCAR one? Could we do one with Tiger Woods and then do a golf yep. one or like d- Tony Hawk? But like none of them ever happened. And I had a moment where I was like, Oh shoot! Is is Jordan making an, a a cameo? And then when it was Michael B. Jordan, I thought, you know, that's that joke that has been made for years about well, like, yeah. I was I thought it was funny that they like that was the joke. 
<laughs> I thought it was funny too. It was, I, my, my brain was turning too at that moment. I was like, is Michael Jordan really going to be in this? And then I think maybe right before the reveal, I was thinking it might be Michael B. Jordan, but I, I wasn't like, I was, I was sure. And then, and then he comes in he does like a really bad pep talk. Yeah. And uh, I think the way they were able to secure that cameo, because there's a lot of cameos yeah. in it, you know, like Ernie Johnson is there a mm-hmm. uh, little rel, how little rel, Howery. Yeah. Is that, yeah, he was, they were the commentators. So there, there was some, and then you have a, a, a quick one with the, at least live action wise of the players that turn into the goon squad, which was a pretty like bad green screen for that one. But either way you bring in <laughs> Michael B. Jordan and uh, it was fun to have that one. And the joke is great. And they probably were able to secure it because Ryan Coogler is like the executive producer right. of this movie. And he's worked with Michael B. Jordan on black Panther and the Creed movies. Right. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that was that obviously he did, you know, Michael B. Jordan did a little favor there for his buddy. Um, Right. But I also I mean, I know and I know the original Space Jam did this, too, but it was cool to see them, you know, pulling from NBA and WNBA players and bringing them in and having them be a little bit more directly involved as the as the goon squad. I mean, they voiced those characters, at least I think they did. Um, So I thought that was neat you're right the the versions of them on the goon squad was probably a better incorporation of those uh, athletes but something i missed from the first one that i thought was some of the best stuff in the first one was the live action stuff with the athletes yeah. where they're actually at nba games when they lose their they, you know they get their talent stolen and there's there's you know footage of them on the court you know failing to play basketball and then like the stuff where they're trying to figure it out right and they're like talking to shrinks and they all hit their head on the the door in the hospital except for Muggsy Bogues because he's one of the shorter NBA players and Charles Barkley is trying to get his powers back and he goes and he tries to play basketball against a bunch of girls and they pick him and they're like you're Charles Barkley and then he can't play at all and you're right yeah yeah. that stuff I miss that stuff in this one so that's something I wish there would have been a little bit more live action with the athletes on that well you know you can't have everything you can't have everything I I will tell you um you owe me well i get okay i'll stop talking until i buy you a coke good luck or, no it's until i it's until you buy your coke or i say your name so daniel you can talk okay again. um i will tell you that i had um i had some issues with that opening scene where it's like lebron gets an old game boy and he plays it for a total of five minutes and his he coach like is, turns it on. Yeah, and and the, and the coach is like, "You got to get your head in the game, son. You did. We lost out there today because you played a Game Boy for five minutes." And like, I I know why they. I I mean, obviously, I get what how that tied into the story, the, but like the irony of it is, LeBron is much more distracted creating an entire movie <laughs> than he would be playing video games every right. once in a while. Uh, well, yeah, and I just thought like it was a little a little heavy handed way to start, which I know that in the original Space Jam, it starts with a young a young Michael Jordan shooting hoops out in the like. I know they are trying to do that thing, but it just it felt that part fell flat for me, and it was like come on man (laughs) and you're right it does uh it gave you a little too much feeling at the beginning it's like man is this gonna be like just a really direct copy of the first one and luckily at least it didn't do that right it did try to go a different direction and got creative it doesn't really have anything to do with space i saw somebody was like it's cyberspace and i was like i guess but it's called (laughs) space jam there's there's really no space in it but 
whatever. Uh, okay, so I think we're here. Yeah. Let's talk about the game itself. Okay. Okay. Yeah, go because ahead. Now, wait a minute. Before before I, we start, I just want to make... Are you about to tear apart the fundamentals of the the game? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not going to tear it apart. I know you're it a sports like guy, a, but... It seems like it would be a fun video game to play, and the fact that... Uh, in this world, LeBron's son created this video game. That's really cool. I was, I thought the whole time it was called Dom ball. It's called doom ball, which confused me. Why name the son Dom and then call it doom ball. Why not call it Dom ball or give him a different name so that it's not close to that. Or is it supposed to be close to that, but not the same that confused me, but that's beside the point. My point is all of the tension is immediately sucked out of the game because the scoring doesn't make any sense. I'm okay with the idea of like the power-ups, like yeah. giving them extra ways to score and everything, but all of a sudden it's like 1,000 to four and then they make up all the points because Wiley Coyote does the machine. And then at the end of the game, it's, it's down to they're down one and it's a two point shot for the win. And it's like, so why can't that one just be one of those ones that's worth 50? It just, the, you have no idea where they actually stand the entire game because the scoring has no concreteness to it. I, I agree with that. I mean, I kind of had to laugh that it was, a, it was essentially Calvin ball. But you're absolutely right that, like, with no way, one of the things that a, a basketball game or sports games in general do really well is this idea that you, if you're an audience member and you understand anything about the game, and basketball is one of the easier ones to understand scoring, right? Football is complicated yeah. if you don't know anything about football, but, like, basketball is pretty easy. Like, things are worth two point, one point, two points or three points, and it's pretty fi- easy to figure out which is which. Um, yeah. You're right. When it's, like... Uh, the very first score is what seventy six points or something, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, like okay. oh, oh, okay, um, and then like you know, but like I don't know what I don't know what one thousand to five means right. in this game. <laughs> yeah, no, I ag- agreed. Where that that was a little bit like, uh, okay, guys. Uh, yeah. so whatever, because it, whatever is convenient because, for the plot and is a big, you know, funny looking number, we'll we'll throw up there, and that's the score. Because I can let pass the Wiley Coyote like comeback play where he he has you know all the balls right he, he you know it mimics the ball and, and it makes a bunch of them and, and, and they that were scores each a bunch worth, of points I'm like, and okay. they were and they were each worth two points which I thought was really right. I mean that was good yeah and it's like okay that's Looney Tooney that I can handle sure. that was another thing in the game I thought like it was like throwing as many gag you know was throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks that like. It wasn't strictly Looney Tunes gaggy. And the first one had this a little bit, you know, there's a Pulp Fiction sure. reference and stuff like that in the in the game. But it just like, you know, I mean, maybe you enjoyed Porky Pig rapping and <laughs> that's okay. But it just wasn't Looney. T- I wish it was a little more Looney Tooney yeah. in a way. Um, I guess the grandma one makes, it makes more sense than it does in the trailer because you know she comes from the Matrix right. now. So it's like, okay, I, I can kind of get behind that one. But it... I- uh, yeah. I, just, I wanted more Looney Tune nonsense. I, I will say that the one of the things that I was a little bit confused by, and they they ended up explaining it, but like I, my impression was that Algae Rhythm, by converting the Looney Tunes into 3D copies, quote unquote, living copies as opposed to cartoons, I thought the point of that was that he was taking away their tune powers. 
So okay. I thought like that was the re- rationale between, but you know, about making them into 3D models that like, oh, now they actually have to play basketball and not do the jokey stuff. But then they have to like obey like normal physics more. Yeah. That was what I, th- I guess I thought was going on. And then it was like at halftime they were like, no, actually, LeBron, we've just been playing basketball because you told us to because you're a bad dad. You're right. And it was He's like still a bad guy even up until halftime. And it's like. <laughs> Oh, that's what you were doing? I, <laughs> oh, and then it was, you know, then it was like, okay, well, sure. Um, I guess that part was a little bit like, oh, that's what, that's why it made to me the stakes became very high when the Looney Tunes became quote unquote real flesh and blood in the cyberverse yeah. and could no longer do the joke stuff. I was like, okay, that actually raises the stakes a lot because. The only advantage they had before was that they could do goofy stuff. Now, like, they probably are going to get trounced by the other team who are NBA and WNBA stars who are also, you know, genetically engineered monsters. Like, now the stakes are high, though, as you said, all the air got sucked out of the room as soon as they scored 76 points at once. But <laughs> right. to me, well, that, and then, like, that was that was a moment where I was like, oh, crap, actually, the stakes are high here. <laughs> Damian Lillard's goon squad, the I think he was called Kronos yeah. in that one. He can like slow down time, and it's like, well, I get. I mean, they eventually like write it off why you can't do it because the grandma steps in and and takes care of him. But it just seems like that would have been a really effective way to score yeah. the whole time, and you only did it twice. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know. I will say another sort of um not to sidetrack us too much, but a thing that I thought was really charming is how they had Don Cheadle in different coaches' outfits. They had him do like the Nick Saban. They had him as Bill Belichick. Like, yeah, I thought that I was kind of funny that detail, but I remember that now. Yeah. And um, then he, did, he eventually did the Bobby Knight. Right. He threw the chair onto the court. You, you, you saw that one coming. But either way, that's just such like a I mean, it's an infamous moment, but it's when you make fun of it, it's very beloved. And even though it's obvious, throw it in there. Why not? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just th- I thought of that in that moment because it was kind of, it was close in proximity to the the Kronos introduction. Um and I also felt like the thing that you have to love about this movie, and, it, and again, we're, we're talking about the fact that really the only reason to like this one, I shouldn't say the only, one of the few reasons to be endeared to this movie is all of the nostalgia, right? You remember, you see things that you recognize from real life, whether it's a cartoon character you loved or a sports reference or a basketball player or whatever, right? I mean, yeah, the most overt reference to the first one was when they showed the little monster monsters uh, right. aliens and like that was a moment where i was like hey but like i pulled up that, i have a list leonardo dicaprio meme and you point at the tv yeah and i and i i'm, I'm not going to read it off but like if you look at the list of the different properties that that uh they tapped into and like the different cameos like it's a it's quite a large list right um so there i, I guess w- my point is to say that there kind of is something for everyone in this movie as far as like tickling the nostalgia even if you didn't see the original Space Jam, I guarantee you've seen at least one of these Warner Brothers properties and can make a reference. But also, like, for a sports fan, a, a kid and even a person who's not, like, intimately familiar with sports isn't going to get most of the, as we said, coach references, right? Like, I'm sure there were some yeah. that went over my head that I didn't pick up on because I sports has not been a thing that's been in my life for a long time, you know, as long as some people's. Yeah. <laughs> so that in that way, it was charming. And as I said to you before we started recording, like, I'm not going to lie. I cried in parts of the movie where it really got me in the feels in a way that that alarmed me. And I was like, am I okay?" (laughs) 
am i just I, am I, i'm on mornings for my full-time job this week and i'm like am i just really tired right now is that why i'm crying <laughs> i don't know it, it did not get me as much i thought the uh i i think it's because i like the the first one so much and how i was explaining how the stakes were so much different that yeah. i was like we don't need this father-son drama in this this should be about saving the looney tunes that's what space jam is about it's about a basketball game saving the looney tunes not about making sure lebron lets his son go to e3 or whatever i i will tell you i felt i felt like on that note i thought it was a little cheap that bugs bunny just shows up right at the end like <laughs> that completely negates the sort of heroism and you knew that was going to happen bugs bunny died oh wait no never mind he's right here and now he's in one the real week later world. he's back i had this moment where i thought the thing that would make me laugh really hard is if this was warner brothers way of being like we're no longer going to be making bugs bunny properties that, like, he like if they connect right like if they connect because you know how there's like since the original space jam there's been all these conspiracy theories about how like Michael actually retired from the NBA to make Space Jam and to make it so that the storylines lined up in Space Jam. When, of course, that's not really what happened. They just, like, found a convenient way to tie it into the movie. But I had this moment where I was like, wouldn't it be wild if Warner Brothers was using this as a way to be like, guys, Bugs Bunny is gone. And he actually didn't appear in anything for, I don't know, five years. And then they had, like, a triumphant return of Bugs Bunny. That, to me, or if they knew they were going to make a Space Jam 2 or a Space Skate Jam or whatever... Space Jam, a newer legacy. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, if they knew that this is something you can't do with an actor, right? Or it's hard to do with an actor where you actually have them, like, die in a movie and not appear in things. But you can do that with a cartoon character pretty easily. You know, had, had had they made the stakes real by saying, like, actually, guys, Bugs Bunny's dead. And then in five years when they make whatever the follow up movie is, like, he comes back from the dead then the stakes would have been real to me and everyone would have cheered. But I guess... Maybe they didn't know, want to take that risk because it took not. 25 years to make <laughs> the the next Space Jam and they're like, we can't we can't hang up bugs for 25 years again. That yeah. wouldn't... That well, wouldn't no. But yeah, I mean, it just takes all of that away. Like, everybody's so sad, Bugs Bunny. He glitched out of the serververse. And it's like, what does that even really mean? Like, okay, he's out of the, he's out of the game or out of the serververse. But... I mean, couldn't somebody just draw him again? Like, right. I don't, it's the, this is the problem with the, with the real world versus server verse stuff is like a, a tons of those things that were in the server verse didn't originate in the server verse. Weren't even, a, you know, were around well before technology like this existed. So right. the, I'm I know I'm I know I'm looking this is what I do I look too much into, to, I know, into it about, I ask questions that are pointless I, yeah I will say though like even as somebody who uh, was surprised by how much I I'd enjoyed it again at, it brought out the child in me in a way that like you and I have talked about and I know I mentioned this earlier but like the karate kid with you or like Hoosiers with Timmy yeah. Hall like it's a movie that just warms you up inside because of what it meant to you when you were younger and this in that way, this movie was super successful, at least for me. Like it, it gave me so much nostalgia for not just for the original Space Jam, but for all these like cartoons and properties and things that I grew up with and really enjoyed. And so, in that way, I really, really enjoyed it more than I expected. Especially because you and I, you know, we talk in sort of 
ahead of time. We're going to develop, you know, what episodes are coming yeah. up, what we're going to do. And your, you know, your, your sort of pitch was, can we talk about Space Jam? Because, buddy, I've got thoughts. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I went in expecting the worst. Um, and, and, you know, I think if- LeBron James is an okay actor, but he's not great. Don Cheadle clearly phoned it in. Um, but, at least you know he was you could tell he was like having fun with a throwaway role at least as far as he's concerned it's fun when the villain like isn't i mean not just like you're right he he didn't like do his best work but he was at least doing like a good job to like have fun and like ham it up and it's like in a villain in a movie that's not so great if you can at least do that it usually makes the movie more fun overall so credit to don Cheadle there i think if you like the first space jam you'll enjoy this one don't be uh, T-Bone, who we've had on here before. He was uh, apparently s- saying to Common Man that, like, well, it's a kid's movie, so it doesn't have to be good. No, I don't like that excuse. Kids still deserve good media to consume, so it, like you should well, still hold it to to some and, standard. And like, I, yeah, there's I would a argue, curve. I would argue, in fact, it's not a kid's movie, not because it's, like, violent or sexual, but, like, most of the references are not for kids. They're for people your and my age or older, like 80s and 90s kids is really who this movie is for. Like I said, I think the first movie's plot is a little more accessible to a younger audience. I think this is a little bogged down. Not in a, I mean, not like it's like hard to figure out, but I feel like a kid maybe wouldn't completely follow the the connections of what's going on in this one this is the problem we talked about this with coming to america coming you know number two america that like yes. <laughs> when a when a sequel comes so far after the first movie the the safest bet is to make it for fans of that original movie and the problem is is when you do that you automatically at least to some degree not entirely but to some degree you are ne- uh, neglecting a new audience you're choosing mm-hmm. the the sort of safe the, the safe audience instead of like trying to make it for everybody um so in, in that way it kind of like i i'm with you like i i'm not and i'm not saying i excuse it like in fact i would i would go the opposite route of what t-bone said sorry t-bone um that it's in fact not a kids movie it's it's not not it's not bad for kids but it's not a kids movie because almost everything about it is made for adults and that is one thing I will give it credit is we've beaten this into the ground that like technically it's not a good movie, but it was entertaining. I sat there and I watched it and I didn't like feel the urge to like check my phone a bunch yeah. or like I wasn't falling asleep or anything. It had me engaged enough and I chuckled, uh, you know, a handful of times. I will say this, a thought that suddenly occurs to me um, that we're maybe we're not thinking about looney tunes wasn't for kids originally either (laughs) looney tunes was for adults it was full of uh, references for adults to things only adults would get you know looney tunes started out when you would go to the movie theater you didn't just watch a movie and there weren't there weren't like previews at the time you would watch you know looney tunes started off as real to real skits that they would play before movies and at the same in the same way that like there were news clips you would go to the movie theater to see news especially during the war years so yeah, Looney Tunes right. wasn't for kids to start with. Maybe it's maybe it's silly for us to think. And in fact, Looney Tunes has always been like super referential. Think about all the times that like Bugs Bunny impersonates celebrities. Like back in the day, it was like Humphrey Bogart and and Catherine Hepburn. And, you know, also the like 
parodying Wagner operas and and playing you know Hungarian yeah. Rhapsody number no. two like yeah a kid could find it funny because it was colorful and had lots of movement and the, the you know they the the characters were doing goofy things but like also blowing each other up with dynamite and like impaling each other with stick and that brings up an important point for there's i'm sure there's purists out there who probably not as loud in this one but maybe in the first one this is unresearched but i would assume well if the first one came out today there'd be tons of internet articles about how how dare they destroy the sanctity of the looney tunes and it's like well actually if you really think about what the looney tunes are Space Jam is kind of in line with what they do. For sure. Space Jam is, in fact, the perfect vehicle. And I now, you know, now that I think about that, like, actually, this is a this is pretty pure Looney Tunes. <laughs> it's hyper referential. It's it's odd off the wall. There are no rules. Anytime you can get a reference in or, you know, a cheap joke, you're going to do it. Uh, yeah. Actually, this is a perfect. Never mind. Uh, scrap it. P- pack it up. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> This they sham a new legacy is, is the, the perfect Looney Tune. Oh man, Chops! I don't think I can argue anything else now. I think I have to give this five five out of five stars. It is the most pure, perfect example of Looney Tunes in in the in the new era that I can think of. Yeah, but is that a, your only basis for ranking movies? Uh, yeah, no, it is now. It's five out of five stars on the Looney Tunes. So, like Shawshank Redemption, a movie we agreed was you know across yeah. the board great. Yeah, but it, it does, doesn't have enough Looney Tunes in it, so zero. <laughs> zero stars. Yeah, no, man. No, your point's well taken. I, I All my criticisms of it stand in that, like, it's a movie with a, a, a lot of people, as many people who aren't actors in major roles <laughs> as people who are. The heavy, a lot, you know, actually the heavy lifting uh, for actors in this movie is the voice actors. They did yeah. most of, and can, by the way, can we um, can we give Zendaya like a big round of applause as Lola Bunny? I thought she did a great job in that. In a way that, like, I thought, oh, there's a like a there's like a stunt casting. No, she was spectacular as that in that role. J, J- Lo found it distracting. I didn't until she said it. I couldn't. I didn't even. I didn't. It wasn't something I knew beforehand, or maybe I'd forgotten it if I had sure. read it. And once JLo said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that is Zendaya. But it did not distract me. It did. She said it did distract her, but I don't know. It Maybe didn't distract a- me at all. It was just one of those. In fact, I kind of find found myself forgetting because it just was like another voice actor. She's not a classic Looney Tunes character. Sure. So there's not like decades upon decades of knowing what voice they should sound like. Yeah. And I thought they did an okay job. There were a few of them where it's like, ah, that doesn't sound like what the Looney Tunes sound like. But then also I'm like. I don't even attribute most of the Looney Tune voices to like classic Looney Tunes. I attribute them to Space Jam. So I'm comparing these voices to the people who did the voices for Space, the first Space Jam, which is not obviously the original voice cast of Looney Tunes. I got to break it to you. The, a lot of the people who were in the original Space Jam are still around and could have done the voices and didn't. Like Billy West did a, most of the voices in the original Space Jam. Certainly Bugs Bunny. Uh, I love Billy West. I do too. And you know what? He's still around. They just didn't. They yeah. didn't call him. I, I. I'm not. Not. I mean, Jeff Bergman. Sorry. I. I don't imagine you're actually listening to us. But like, <laughs> he didn't do it for me as Bugs Bunny. I will say Eric Bauza like nailed it as Daffy Duck and Marvin the Martian. I thought he was spectacular. Yeah. And I'm not. It's not like I knew this without looking it up. So don't, you know, of course I'm looking at the cast listing right now. I will also say um, Gabriela Iglesias as Speedy Gonzalez is funny, but also underutilized. 
Yeah, especially because like that character could easily. I mean, he's small. Yeah, but he's fast. Right. That's, actually, that's so funny. That's a that's a the doing the line correctly. That um, what's his name Newman from Stan Padlack. Yeah. For, in the first one, he goes out there and he says, "I'm short, but I'm slow." Wayne, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, just those are my thoughts on voice acting. I have a lot of appreciation for voice actors. Also was surprised yeah, to find we've out. talked about that yeah, before on here. They were, do, they were the ones doing the heavy lifting. I, also, just a little, uh, Rosario Dawson was Wonder Woman, which I did not realize until I was, you know, doing my research for the episode. Um, so there's kind yeah, of Yeah, I found that out gem. after, too. That wasn't something that registered when I saw it. Or maybe Jen pointed. Actually, I think Jen pointed it out because I was like, I, I felt like she was sort of trying to sound like, uh, Gal like the Gal Gadot, yeah. but not, but like the accent wasn't quite there. So I was like, it's not Gal Gadot. And Jen was like, yeah, it's Rosario Dawson. And yeah. I was like, oh, apparently Jen is better at recognizing <laughs> female voices than I am. I guess. Yeah. I guess, anyway, yeah. I, I, my actually now my biggest complaint is why didn't you just bring back Billy West? Cause he's still doing the thing and he's, and he's Billy West is a, can we get him? Do you think we can get him on the show? Then you could have thrown the Eminem in there too, because he does the red Eminem. He does every voice. He's also the, for a long time was the honeybee for Cheerios. He's probably most famous now for Fry on Futurama. Yeah, but I mean, he anyway. Uh, let's get him. I'm going to start working on that. Coming, okay. y'all, coming sometime soon. Billy West, <laughs> and we'll nerd out about voice acting. We can get him. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. whatever soon means. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Don't. It's it's gonna happen. Mark my words. <laughs> now, now our new gimmick is just gonna be at the end of every episode. We're gonna remind everyone that coming soon, Billy West. Yes. So yeah, I mean, if you had a favorite reference in Space Jam: A New Legacy, let us know. You can always reach us on our Twitter at Nerdasoc. That's at N E R D underscore A S S O C. You can also reach us at our email Nerdasoc at Gmail dot com send us any other things you'd like us to talk about if you have any ideas and maybe you could be one of our nerds uh i hope you like space jam a new legacy if you don't like the first space jam do not tweet at us do not email us correct I don't want to be friends with you yeah, yeah thank you I, for listening though <laughs> we'll talk to you next week